Previously on Algoa FM. On the drive on Algoa FM today, we're chatting to somebody you will recognize the minute you see him, the minute you hear him. Uh, you may have seen his stand-up comedy. You may have seen him as a lovable oddball in the office. You may have seen him as an X-Men-style mutant or even a serial killer. He is the winner of several awards, like the Peabody Award, multiple Golden Globe Awards, BAFTA Awards, even a Primetime Emmy, British Comedy Awards, prolific actor, director, writer, producer even. And today, he's our guest. Guest, Stephen Merchant, welcome to Algoa Country. Thank you so much for that lovely introduction, Roland. Wow, I, I sound amazing. <laughs> well, via the Zoom link, you look amazing too. I don't know how you do it. When do you sleep? <laughs> I don't sleep. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of filming at the moment. And, um, and uh, I think I was supposed to speak to you and some other people last week, and I suddenly got pulled away to set because there was a crisis that only I could solve. Occupational so hazard. Add, yeah, maybe add hero to that list <laughs> i don't doubt it though i don't doubt it because how many people are in this many links of the chain right the way from uh, just the inception of the idea chatting around a table um, and they right to writing casting um directing yes. putting it all together and then of course performing as well there's a whole lot that goes into it i mean do you feel mildly schizophrenic i do but at the same time i i enjoy all of those jobs in different ways and even your job uh, I'm looking at you now with your microphone and your in your uh, studio there. And, you know, I started in radio. I love radio. I've done radio shows. And even now I'm in the midst of the TV show. I'm, I'm enjoying that. And I'm looking at you in your radio booth thinking, oh, going to be great to be on the radio again. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that. I'm glad you mentioned it because let's rewind a little bit. You've got this incredible body of work that you've put out over time. And uh, I, I want to just go back to the seeds of it, if, if that was, in fact, the seed of it. Radio was a big, big part of your start. Talk to me about a time when you were, I don't know, perhaps a student. You'd started in radio and you decided to uh, to apply to XFM to work with the then head of speech. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about right, that little right. connection. Like so many people, I started uh, my radio career in college, as you say, and they had a radio station there and I would do a show. And I was keen to get into radio. I always wanted to do stand-up and writing and all these other things. But I'll be honest with you, um, what I observed from DJs was they did about three hours work a day. <laughs> Obviously, aspirational. And, and then they, they had the mornings free and the evenings free and they just swanned in, unshaven, and just turned up the radio, probably still hungover. And they could, and they, so I thought if I could get into radio as a DJ, I'd have all this other free time to do all this writing and stand up comedy, all these other things. So I thought I'd get into radio. And like you said, I sent in this uh, demo tape and a resume to XFM, which is a new radio station in London. And the guy who had just been hired ahead of me was Ricky Gervais. And um, he called me in for an interview and he said, Listen, I've never done radio before. I don't know what I'm doing. I've sort of sweet talked my way in. You seem to have had some radio experience. If you do the job for me, I'll make sure we have fun. And sure enough, he was true to his word. We had a lot of fun um, before it became very clear we were going to get fired. <laughs> and so um, by that time, we got to know each other. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another. and We ended up making The Office. And then uh, so in a roundabout way, I got to end up doing comedy and acting and sitcoms and things from my radio background. Well, obviously a great meeting of minds there, yourself and Ricky Gervais. Also, apparently through the radio channels as well, Carl Pilkington. Carl Pilkington is a guy we met, uh, yeah, through, through radio, and um, he was just supposed to be pressing the buttons for us, and then we started asking him questions, and uh, and he would just, I remember he said something early on, like, um, what are those things in the movie Gremlins called? Well, they're called Gremlins, Carl, that's <laughs> the, the clues in the tile, and um, 
And I remember he was telling a story one time and he said, uh, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, the, the, the neighbours had a horse that lived in the house. But anyway, and, and we went, wait, there's a horse that lived in the house. But in his mind, that wasn't even the story. That was just a passing detail. And so he just was full of these amazing, weird anecdotes and views on life. And he became this just great resource for us to, to, to probe his brain and see what came out. Well, let's fast forward. I mean, there are stories like that all along your journey, I'm sure. Let's fast forward to when we get to this fantastic series. It's on BritBox South Africa at the moment. The first season, amazing. It's, uh, it's called The Outlaws. Uh, where did it start in terms of the writing? And, and I want to fast forward from the time that you kind of got together and went, right, this is a great idea, to how you end up with uh, the cast you did, specifically characters like Christopher Walken, perhaps. Well, I uh, grew up in a small town called Bristol um, in, in the UK, and my mum was involved with community service. Now, I'm sure it's the same the world over. People do crimes like drink driving or maybe some minor weed dealing or something. And anyway, they, they don't send them to prison. They make them pick up garbage on the side of the freeway or they uh, make them paint a shed or something. And my mother was involved with that, supervising people. And she would talk about the different kinds of people that would come through the door um, including a guy I went to school with, uh, Tom, who was the world's laziest criminal. She told me one time, he, she said, why are you back, Tom, doing community service? He said, well, I got caught stealing a TV and the homeowners came back and, uh, and they said, Tom, what are you doing? And I said, I'm not Tom. And they said, yes, you are. You live next door. He was stealing his <laughs> next door neighbor's TV. And, and I'm, oh, anyway, man. so he would come through the doors. There was an old man. Like, uh, anyway, she would tell me this. And I thought, what a great backdrop for a show. You know, you're always looking for... Um, groups of people in TV that wouldn't normally meet, that you can kind of bump up against each other and get the sparks flying and the humour going. And I also thought that was an interesting backdrop. And so later down the road, I uh, got the opportunity to sort of develop that as an idea. And uh, when it came to casting, I wanted a really eclectic bunch and I needed a sort of intriguing, slightly mysterious American guy. And um, we ended up with Christopher Walken. I mean, what can you... The idea, if you had asked my young self in Bristol that one day I would take Christopher Walken to my hometown and that we would end up filming uh, a show based loosely on my mum's life. I, mean, <laughs> I, I wouldn't have believed it. And direct the first episode, by the way. You're directing Christopher Walken in your hometown. Oh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. I mean, at one point we got to take him to Stonehenge. We got to, I got to go to Christopher, Christopher Walken to Stonehenge. What a wow. weird day that was. I was going to say, in a life where you've worked with uh, characters like Carl Pilkington, you know, to, yeah. <laughs> it's incredible. Yeah, this was even weirder. Well, let's get into the, the plot very quickly for someone who hasn't seen it. So so can I summarize my experience very, very quickly? You're walking down the street, you look into a yard, you see a couple of neighbors chatting. They're having a very animated conversation. It's a lot of fun. And you kind of listen in. And as you lean in, a sort of hand grips you by the scruff of the neck and puts you on a roller coaster. And you're on for the ride. And there's action and there's uh, terror and there's all these things. It's not just a, a nice little comedy outing, is it? I'm pre I appreciate you saying that because that was always the ambition was that we wanted it to sort of lure you in slightly. You thought it was one kind of show, then it becomes more of a, it becomes something else. It's There's a thriller aspect. Hopefully there's also some lot of character stuff. You get to know these characters on the surface. They almost seem like stereotypes, but then you've got to peel back the layers. You see what makes them tick. I hope there's there's humor. I hope there's kind of, uh, there's some sweetness. There's some drama. I, I, I feel like I'm hoping it's a real mixed bag of different flavors because that's kind of what I like from TV. I like things that, are pressing all kinds of buttons that are never quite one thing, um, and uh, and so I appreciate that that uh, review because that, that's certainly what our aim was. 
Now let's talk about the characters themselves. Just a, just a very quick summary for the folks who don't know. Um, it's, as you were saying, community service in Bristol. Um, these characters get together. Uh, just, just talk us through the, the basic plot. So I, I'm about to switch on The Outlaws on BritBox, and I'm about to watch What Am I Getting Into? Well, as you mentioned, it's uh, seven very distinct characters from different walks of life. We have Lady Gabby, who's, you know, an aristocrat, but uh, she's, a, you know, a drinker and a drug user. She's, a, you know, a sort of it girl Instagram person who's a little bit famous, uh, but is always getting into trouble. And if she's at one extreme, we've got sort of a kid from the tough side of the tracks who's who's there for different reasons. We've got a kind of um, a, 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 a school girl who should be off to... Uh, study uh, at Oxford University with a scholarship, but instead she's been doing some uh, some petty theft. And then there's uh, a number of other characters, including me as a sort of slightly hapless lawyer who got caught with um, what I'm going to term a lady of the night. So yes, it's a very uh, unusual mix of people. They would not normally encounter each other in, in any other walk of life, but because of these circumstances, they're thrust together. And uh, what they don't realize is that behind the scenes, there's a kind of crime plot brewing that's going to suck them all into it and it's going to impact their lives. So um, I hope there's characters that you can relate to there's characters that perhaps you wouldn't necessarily like if you met them in real life but hopefully you get to understand and empathize with as the show goes on and like you said it becomes this dangerous thing where uh, the stakes get higher and higher in the beginning it's just community service oh how am i going to make my hours uh, and then i mean I, th- I think without being too much of a spoiler we can uh, let, let, let everyone know this there's a bag of cash that become that comes into play and uh, just, just talk us through uh, how that impacts the discovery of this impacts this dynamic in the group they find a big bag of money that's hidden away uh, in the building that they're renovating and uh, as you say when you find a big bag of money somewhere and you don't report it to the police troubles come in your way uh every movie you've seen where someone finds a big bag of money or a suitcase of cash it doesn't end well for them so uh, sure enough it doesn't end well for these guys and uh it just uh, it sucks them into a world of gangs and and crime and um and uh, but I, I always wanted to do a crime story and it seemed like an interesting way and it's not about cops and robbers it's about just ordinary people who make some bad decisions and uh, and then the wheels of their lives start coming off. So um, that's sort of series one. And then as we get to series two, well, whatever um, things they think they've resolved in series one, it turns out they haven't really. And then we just turn the heat up even more um, and um, and it gets even sweatier and even tougher for them. And at the moment, we're shooting season three and now they're really in trouble. Well, that's good news. I was about to ask you about that. So season three is on the way. Season two is on the way this month, isn't it? That's right, yes, 20th of July, uh, season two. And then, like I say, we're hard at work on season three at the moment. So there's there's uh, plenty of sort of, uh, if you enjoy, you know, there's nothing worse than sitting down to to, to, to watch a show, you're enjoying it, and then it, it says, oh, no, that's it, that's, there's no more. And there's all these loose ends unresolved. Uh, there's plenty more kind of um, juice that we are extracting from this particular orange. Is that an analogy that works? Absolutely. You can see why I never made it in radio. <laughs> you should try writing with that kind of metaphorical <laughs> skill, I tell you. Uh, let's talk about season two, though. So season one, it sort of pits them up. They get drawn into the gang world. Uh, season two, just very quickly, what can we look forward to there? When I first started writing, someone said to me, in series one, you should chase your characters up a tree. And in <laughs> series two, you, you should throw rocks at them. And so here we are, series two, we're throwing rocks at them metaphorically. We are really turning the heat up. Um, there's, there's a crime boss. 
Um, now they were they were uh, loosely involved with crime in the series one. This time they sort of have to become crime lords themselves to get themselves out of a sticky situation. So um, yeah, like I say, hopefully the um, all the the threats and the pressure are dialed up, but also hopefully the, there's the, the humor, the character stuff, the relationships that hopefully you've got to enjoy in series one. We sort of lean into them. We see how these characters continue to develop. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I really, I'm very proud of the show because I think there's a lot of meat on the bone. You know what I mean? It's by funny one, one minute, it's tense the next. Uh, I think it's quite a, it's quite a mix of uh, different things. I like the way you describe it, and I look forward to season three. I think if you chase them up a tree in season two, what are you doing? Cutting down the tree in season we're cutting, three? We're cutting the tree down. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Cutting the tree down. Stephen Merchant, all the best with the Outlaw season three. As you're busy in the uh, in the manufacture and the, and the production thereof right now, and uh, we look forward to seeing season two. Like you said, 20 July on BritBox South Africa. Can't wait to see it, and all the best with what's coming uh, from you and from you know your co-writers and all these interesting characters you seem to collect along your way. Thank you so much, Roland. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Your digital library experience. Podcasts from algoafm.co.za.